Court packing is front and center in the legal world, which I think is code for telling the courts, as we know them, pack your bags. Get out of here. I think both liberals and conservatives agree that court packing will destroy the independent judiciary. RBG hated it. Breyer thinks it's a horrible idea. Heck, even Alexander Hamilton thinks it's a horrendous idea. At least I think I got that from watching Hamilton. I don't know. Kind of hard to understand their words. But thank you, Biden. You have found an issue that has unified America. Apparently, all of America, except for the talking heads, thinks this is a crappy idea. Deshaun Watson is back in the news, responding to the allegations that he sexually assaulted 22 massage therapists. His response? That there were 18 others who said he didn't do it to them. That does beg the question, Deshaun. Why do you have 40 massage therapists? Is this like a record you're trying to accomplish here? I think your response brings up more issues than it resolves. But in this episode, Amy and I will have a lot of fun. We are going to play Hollywood Lawyer Trivia, and you can play too. We have a lot to unpack in this week's Debriefing of the Law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster, your host. Hi, everyone. My name is Amy Francis-Lemansky. Nice to be back with you all. And you were just talking about where your office is located. And I got to tell you, I was jealous because you, if I heard you correctly, you see the downtown skyline of New York City? Yes, Joel. So I work in a city called wood or it's technically a township i guess it's called woodbridge new jersey and from the ninth my office is on the eighth floor but from the ninth floor of my office building you can see the new york city skyline clearly and it's beautiful and it's awesome and i'm so grateful to work there and basically be working i guess metropolitan new jersey and see working with people in New York, we do have a branch in New York City as well as Philadelphia. Okay. So it's awesome. That is, that is impressive. I, I love New Jersey. I do a lot of things up there for, for my um, my CLA business up in New Jersey. I love the New Jersey bar. Uh, and so I'm looking to go back there as soon as society opens up, which, by the way, is happening really quickly. I don't know what it's like up there in New York City, but down here in Kansas City, it is almost over. In fact, I went on a tennis tournament a couple of weeks ago, and I went to a restaurant, and we I was in Independence, Kansas, which is way out in the boonies, and on the window to the store said, mask required. You go into this restaurant, and no one's wearing a mask. Not even the people behind the cash register and scooping up your ice cream. No one's wearing a mask. And so, uh, at least here in the Midwest, I think it's almost over. I've watched the numbers. It might be a different thing there in New York City. But, hey, I I got off track. Here's why I was mentioning that. We were talking about the different phrases that, uh, you know, when I was in New Jersey, I would hear some people say some phrases like, are you really from the same country as me? We understand (laughs) English a little bit differently. And you said you had a similar experience. Yes. So I formerly practiced in West Palm Beach, Florida. I came out of law school. I went to St. Thomas down in Miami, which is amazing. You're right in Miami Gardens. You're right by the stadium, Dolphin Stadium. I proudly own season tickets for one year. Really? Stadium was renovated in a great stadium. Awesome group of people. Everybody's looking to have a good time. So like you're not like having those 
those fist fights in the parking lot, like everybody's cool. People are inviting you over to eat. It it's amazing. The crowd is awesome. So go Miami. Right, Even right, though right. I'm a Giants fan, but go Miami. Go Dolphins. <laughs> so I when I was practicing in West Palm Beach, Florida, being from New Jersey, um, I picked up a few phrases that I had never heard before okay. in my life, and I still use them to this day. And people look at me with five different, like I have five right, different right. heads when I use them. So I can go through some of those phrases with you now and see if our listeners actually know what they mean. Okay, shoot it. Let's see. So Let's the first it. phrase is I um I had a client come in and she left, and my paralegal turned to me and goes. That girl is road hard and hung up wet. <laughs> what? Road yeah. hard and hung up wet. And I looked back at my paralegal and I was like, excuse me, thinking <laughs> that it was some type of sexual indiendo because my client. There's a harassment a little, claim coming. This, it, Yeah. Okay. Potentially. She was a little <laughs> scantily clad, nice woman, but she, uh, you know, it's South Florida. It's West right. Palm Beach. So it's a, it's a different vibe down there. But I was like, excuse me, ma'am, what did you just say to me? She's like, I was like, she's rode hard and hung up wet. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? It's about horse saddles. Ah. Horse saddles. Rode hard and hung up wet, apparently. And that's where they get that rustic look horse saddles. So it can be interchangeably used for to describe certain people. <laughs> now, can we unpack that? So you ride the saddle hard. So that means you're on the horse, riding it hard, I guess. And then it, it's it's wet from whatever happened out there, rain. or You, you hang it up, and then I guess you, you – I, I'm not following, but at least I, – I'm I'm, I never rode a horse in my life. I'm actually terrified really? of horses. Terrified of them. Oh, um, you got to try it. It is fun. You're brave. You're I, brave. I don't I don't like animals that are like close to me that are bigger than I am. I was once up weird? in Nebraska, up in a, a, the the Cobbs Ranch. Uh, Cobbs were a family friend, and they had a ranch out there, and by the the I believe it was the Nibria River. It was an amazing scene, and they had horses. And say, hey, you want to ride these horses? So I said, sure. So I, I hop on their horse. I've never really ridden a horse before in my life, and we just go galloping around the whole you know hillside and whatnot. Here's something I learned: uh, you know, sometimes horses have had enough, and do you know what they do when they've had enough? I do not. The the (laughs) horse put his front legs down in like a kneeling position, jacked the backside up, and sent me flying through the air 15 feet. Uh, Oh, my. The horse is done. Apparently, the ride was over, and that was my cue. It is time to leave the horse alone. I then later find out that that's how Christopher Reeves became paralyzed. I go, oh, maybe I should count my uh, lucky stars that I uh, walked away from that incident and not was, you know, driven away in some ambulance. But all right. That, so ridden hard and hung up wet is not a harassment claim in the making. It is referring to saddles. All right. All right good. What, what was the next yes. one? And I, by the way, just from that story, now that only furthers my fear of horses. <laughs> so I will not be getting on a horse, Joel. Thank you all so right. much. All right. Good. Okay. Yeah, I, I got more so, of these stories. Go, but go on. Oh, Terrible. Um, so my second phrase that I learned when I was down in the South, again, about another, you know, potential or former client was, um, maybe they just aren't the sharpest Christian in the Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you heard that in Florida. I heard that in Florida. That first. sounds like maybe, something that would come from a Floridian. Uh-huh. Um, 
again, my paralegal, who was an amazing woman, not not the sharpest Christian, but who, by the way, was Jewish. So okay. it was like very confusing coming from her. But I now I still use that to this day. And I swear to God, every time I drop that line, I, it creates laughter because it is very, very cute. So now, have, like, you heard, okay. have you heard of the saying, he's not the sharpest crayon in the box? Yes, I've heard of okay. that. I wonder not if that's the, a takeoff on that. Maybe so. Maybe so, but I think that's the southern polite way okay. of saying something along those lines. Right. So those are my two favorites. I would have to conjure up, you know, some other ones that I learned, but those are by far my favorites. I use them to this day. People look at me crazy, but I love them and I'm keeping them. So All thank right. you, South Florida. Well, you I'm know what? Those. This is a perfect segue. We are going to talk today uh, about a lot of different fun things, uh, but, and also do a debriefing of the law. But I wanted to do this Hollywood movie game, and I was going to save it for the end, but I want to do it right now. Because of what you just said, I I just can't pass up on this. This is just perfect timing. So I'm going to play for you a clip, and you have to tell me. So here's the game we're going to play. I'm going to play a clip from a movie. You got to tell me who said it, all right, Uh, the context and the name of the movie. And we are playing for some big time prizes. I have no idea what we're going to play for, but we're playing for street cred. Okay, good. That, that, that'll okay. work. Huh? So, that, that satisfies me. Just the ego. I'm good. That, that sounds <laughs> all right. I can do that. So let me play for you this first one here. And again, you tell me who said it, maybe the context though. I'm not really as concerned about that. And then the name of the movie. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Let's go. Possible. The two youths. To what? Uh oh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. There you go. Who said it and what was the movie? Oh, my youth. cousin, youth. my cousin Vinny. That's that movie right. is my all-time <laughs> favorite. I'm a Northeast girl, Joel. I'm from New Jersey. That is my boy Vincent Gambino. I even know it. My clock is ticking like this, Joel. I love that movie. Respect. See, that's what I thought. When you said, oh, I'm going to talk about some phrases that I hear up in New Jersey, I thought this is a perfect segue. Uh, you know, oh. you, you, actually, you didn't know I was going to play my cousin Vinny. Uh, but uh, yeah, have you ever actually heard that up there? Ute, what is a ute? Uh, no one's ever said what is a ute, but I, that is, listen, I, my husband is from Jersey City. He speaks that way. Okay. I would not kid you. He says ute. Really? I would know. Yeah, he, he's got this ticket from time to time. His accent has actually thinned out since we moved south and he lived down here. But I swear from time to time, he has that thick North Jersey accent. You would love it. I'm telling you, you would enjoy it. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. So uh, now I'm not going to make you guess this one, because I, but since I'm doing My Cousin Vinny, I had to throw in a couple other ones of my favorite from My Cousin Vinny just to get your uh, response to him. So let me go ahead and play this next clip for you. Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water. Bam! A f***ing bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a f*** what kind of pants the son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? 
There you go. Who said uh, it? And my what? girl, Marissa Tomei. She is, by the way, that woman is timeless. She yes. has not aged. She is beautiful. And I swear to you, people from up here talk like that. That is not really? uncommon. Oh, yes. Absolutely. By the way, cursing, I think, in New Jersey and New York is just like part of the dialect. Like <laughs> right, you just right. expect it. Like someone will come into my office and immediately drop drop an F-bomb. Yes. So then I in response curse, you know, even more than they did. So yeah, that's a thing up here. <laughs> I mean, is it even cursing? No, it's just part no. of like routine conversation. I think, you know, another reason I do family law is because I can curse in court repeating okay. something really? someone said and nobody flinches. Nobody even Interesting. Like, you're not like, Your Honor, then he called my client, you know, an F and B. No, you just say it. And the <laughs> judge is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> wow. No, I had a case one time in El Paso, Texas, where uh, I had a co-counsel on the case. And uh, we were in court, and the other side wasn't really treating our client the, in the you know properly. And that's why we had a lawsuit. So my co-counsel goes up there and says, Your Honor, they're screwing our client. And the judge said, excuse me, what did you say? What? What, what did you just say? Uh, they're screwing our client? Yes, you cannot use that word here in court. She said, really? I can't say screw. No. All right. So that was my co-counsel. She was hilarious. And so the next day, she shows up in court with a Webster's Dictionary. She opens it and says, Your Honor, I'd like to start <laughs> the proceedings off by reading for you the definition of a screw. And it's something like putting a twist to them or whatever, treating them unfairly. And then she said, Your Honor, I repeat, they're screwing our client. So, I respect <laughs> that person so much. Good for them, Oh, honestly. she's amazing. She was amazing. All right. Uh, one more from my cousin, Vinny, just because I, I, I couldn't just I, could, I couldn't just do one. It's like potato chips. You just can't have one. So I want to know from you if you have ever done this opening statement in court. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. There you go. How about that as an opening statement? I have thought about it so many times. <laughs> oh, man, have I thought about it. Unfortunately, I have not been able to do that yet. Maybe toward the end of my career, I will become more brazen and, okay. and care a little less. Right, but at right. this point, I wish. Oh, I, I have wish. had. I yeah, I play this clip in uh, you know in a lot of our classes and um and, and a lot of attorneys have said they've done that they have have pulled mm. that line in uh, now it, no one said they pulled it in court they both cases where they told it to me they pulled it in a mediation and during the mediation after the first side went on and on and on just droned on forever they got up there and they said your honors or whoever um, the magistrate. I'm going to pull a uh, My Cousin Vinny called BS, and then they sat down. And so, you know, I, I guess it's a, it's a timeless classic now. You can just do it. Uh, but, all right, one last, because we're on this topic, I, and I was just trying to have some fun here. Um, there was a case before the Supreme Court, and I don't believe, believe it was last term, but the term before, Iancu v. Brunetti. Are you familiar, familiar with that case? Maybe with the facts, right, not right. with the name. I feel shameful saying that. But. Let me tell you the facts of this case. The facts of this case was a T-shirt designer, and he designed this shirt that said F-U-C-T. 
And the point, apparently that's a really popular word. Uh, and, and so other people try to copy that word, F-U-C-T. And he, yeah. had, he started a trademark for it. And the trademark office denied him that trademark saying, no, uh, that's an immoral offensive word. I mean, so my first guess of fucked probably isn't the, the, the correct pronunciation of that word. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the issue that in court was, how would you refer to that word? I mean, that was the issue in the case. F-U-C-T. And, and you're the lawyer. Would you just say that word? Would you drop an F-bomb there in open court a- at the U.S. Supreme Court? Would you dance around it? Uh, but nonetheless, the, um, uh, the lawyers, they, they danced around it. They, it's actually kind of hilarious. I don't have that clip uh, queued up. But what, what, they, what the lawyers in that case said was, when, when they described the F-U-C-T word, they said... It is the profane past participle, the most paramedic word of profanity used in the English language. And I'm thinking, that's not going to catch on on the playgrounds. No, no, profane past participle, you and your mother, just doesn't have the same ring to it, right? It, nah. Not, not, not going to fly in New Jersey. I'm, dro- I'm dropping the F-bomb. I'm straight up dropping <laughs> okay. it. Or I have dropped vulgar, horrible things that people have texted to each other without even blinking. Okay, all um, right. And I think, you know, I gotta I gotta make my record, Joel. So like if that's what it says, that's right. I'm straight up. I'm dropping the F, the B, <laughs> the A, the C, the S. I'm dropping all of it. All of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I will say this that as far as the um uh, the issues in the case go, the lawyer your lawyers tell me, Joel, if, if you were the lawyer representing uh the, the t-shirt designer. Wouldn't you have to say the word? In other words, if you danced around it, aren't you communicating that, yeah, it's not proper in, in public discourse, uh, it's not an appropriate word, it's bad, it is immoral and offensive, that's why I can't say it. That kind of feeds into the other side's theory of the case. And, and so you almost, as a strategic matter, would have to say it uh, or else you are giving in to the other side. All right, let's move I'm on past green. my cousin Vinny. Uh, and so let me play this next clip for you here. And uh, this is going to be a little bit tougher. I'm not expecting a miracle here, but uh, <laughs> let, let me play it. Here you go. Nothing, I guess. I mean, I believe a lawyer should fight for his client, refrain from stealing money, and try not to lie. You know, the basics. That was blatant ambulance chasing. Right. Who cares? There's a lot of lawyers out there. It's a marketplace. It's a competition. What they don't teach you in law school can get you hurt. There you go. What do you think? Oh, I, I, you stopped me. I have no clue what did, that is. Did that voice sound familiar to you? You know, I wish I could say otherwise, but again, Joel, we, I had hesitation at playing this game because I was like, I'm going to show my age. Everyone's going to see what. how. We are now tied one to one. I'm giving you the first one. I'm taking this one. This one, that was Danny DeVito from Rainmaker. Have you seen Rainmaker? Oh my God, Joel, you're going to make me look so bad. People are going to stop <laughs> listening. No, but I did. You know what? I shouldn't have known that was Danny. You, you know, know what? You, you, now you have uh, something to do this upcoming weekend uh, instead of uh, going to. Yes. Yeah. Well, watch uh, my cousin Vinny, or not my cousin Vinny, watch Rainmaker. That was Danny DeVito talking to Matt Damon. And uh, I thought that'd be a great title for next year's 
ethics CLE. What's ethics? What's wrong with ethics? Nothing, I guess. Just, you know, refrain from stealing your client's money. Try not to lie. Not mandatory. Just aspirational. Keep the theory down to a minimum, and we're going to be okay. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, that was a uh, rainmaker. All right, one-to-one. Let's, uh, this next one here is one of my favorite movies. Here you go. Can you tell me what it says here on your birth certificate under date of birth? Your Honor, I object. What does this have to do with anything? Overruled. Mrs. Cole, answer the question. 1965. Now, let me get this straight. That would mean that you lied about your age to make yourself older. But why would any woman want to do that? I changed it so I could get married. And the truth shall set you free! My client lied about her age. She was only 17 when she got married, which makes her a minor. And in the great state of California, no minor can enter into any legal contract without parental consent, including... Prenuptial agreements. Prenuptial agreements! This contract is void. The fact that my client has been ridden more than Seattle slew is irrelevant. Standard community property applies, and she is entitled to half of the marital assets or $11.395 million. Jordan fades back. Swoosh. And that's the game! Nothing further, Your Honor. There you go. Nothing further, Your Honor. I dream to have a moment like that in my career. <laughs> this is family Jim, law, and you're a family lawyer. I love it. I love it. It's, okay. Jim Carrey, for right? sure. Liar, liar. Liar, right? liar. Absolutely. Love He's it. in trial there. He could the not tell. The pen is blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a great scene there. <laughs> then he writes all over his face. What was your favorite scene from, from Liar, Liar? Did you have one off the top of your head? Oh, um, what does he say? He's like, um, what is his like, is that Satan? No, no, it's just you. <laughs> oh, I know. Once he was able to, the, the, obviously the context of the movie was he's a lawyer and has a problem with lying and his son has a birthday and his son wished, man, I just wish for one day my dad would un- be unable to tell a lie he then huffed and puffed and blew the candles down and uh, his wish came true. The next day his dad was unable to tell even the smallest of white lies. The problem is the dad had court the next day and he had to go through court unable to tell even the smallest of white lies. My favorite scene is when, after he realized he he couldn't tell a lie, he then walked back through the hallway and just was bluntly you know, honest with everyone in every kind of context and every kind of scene. Uh, yeah, that was really... Uh, uh, my favorite line... I, I have so many different favorite lines from this movie. Another one was where there was objection and the court said overruled and uh, Jim Carrey said, good call. <laughs> you should have been over, yeah. uh, overruled, but <laughs> nonetheless. Great movie. I love, I also love the scene where he's in the board meeting and he's like yes. telling people what he really thinks and everyone's like, oh, <laughs> like loving it. Like, right. Amazing. And then the, the partner who set him up for that thought, oh, he's going to now get himself in trouble. He won't be able to tell a lie. But the senior partner said, that's a great roast. I love a great roast. Tell another one. And he just goes across the, uh, the, the boardroom there insulting everyone. All right. It's two to one now. I am down one. 
I'm hoping this next one maybe can tie things up here. Uh, this is an older one, and I have, a, I think, a funny story after I, I play this. But nonetheless, uh, I don't know. You might surprise me in this one. I'm going to play this clip. This is probably one of the greatest scenes in all of Hollywood history when it comes to uh, lawyer movies. Uh, this, this is one of the best. All right, here, here you go. should go right to f***ing jail! The son of a bitch is guilty! That man is guilty! That man there! That man is a slime! He is a slime! If he's allowed to go free, then something really wrong is going on here. Mr. President, you are out of order! You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! There you go. I'm out of order. You're out of order. The entire trial is out of order. All right. You're up two to one. Uh, are we tied um, or are you going to be up? I, you know, I want to say what I think it is, but I don't want to be wrong. So I think we're going to tie on this one. Just well, tell me. Uh, just, 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 all right. It is Al Pacino from uh, And Justice for All. Uh, it's a whole great movie. Well, the, the context there was, you probably recognize Al Pacino's voice. I is, definitely recognize Al Pacino's voice, but I was like, why can I not, why is it not coming to me? Right, and everyone's right. going to know this is actually genuine. You didn't like feed me these clips before <laughs> we got here because right. I'm, I'm two for two. <laughs> right, right. The, the, the context of that, that scene there was he was representing this judge who was charged with and I forget not the exact thing, but somehow taking advantage of a woman. I don't know if the, he murdered the woman or raped the woman or or sexually assaulted one of those. And so uh, he then realized that the judge did it, and he was just sick of it to his to his core. And during uh, his argument there in court, he had had enough, and that's where he just said, "You know what? My client should go right to bleep in jail." And uh, yeah, he, he kind of lost it there in his argument. Let me play for you the last little bit from this scene because again, it is just absolutely hilarious. You had to see this, but he is being drug out of the courtroom with two deputies on both arms. You're pulling him out of the courtroom. Say, hold it, hold it. They all pause. I just completed my opening statement and I'm ready for trial to begin. So there you go. You know, go. I hope one day I'm that brave. I've had, you know, it's funny because this story is relevant now. Just this past week, I was in court. And I had a judge that was very fired up and I literally had to use the phrase, this happened just this past week, judge, you need to stop yelling at me long enough for me to make my record. Really? I swear to God. You said that. I said, swear to God, that wow. happened just this past week. Judge, you got to stop yelling at me long enough <laughs> so what for happened? me to make my record. He stopped yelling. He, okay. he, you know what? I think what the judge was so passionate about this case and it's really, really contentious. Um, I don't even think he realized he was yelling. He didn't even okay. notice it, and, okay. but everybody else, the other lawyer, there was another lawyer there that was just like, oh my God, what is going on? Right. And I was like, judge, judge, you, you just, please, just two seconds, please right, just stop right. screaming at <laughs> me. Right. Like, you know, I, as a lawyer, you get yelled at a lot. I, I guess it just depends on the practice, but I feel like all of us, especially people in litigation, you just get screamed at a lot. Yeah. You're just used to it. 
It's like the oh. military almost. <laughs> like you just get yelled at a lot. You're just it doesn't phase you at a certain point. It's like, all right, judge, I know you're yelling, but I have to at least say what I need to say to protect my client and then exactly. you scream at me. Please let me make my it record. Happens, though. These movies are not so dramatic. Right. These, these things do happen in well, real life. Well, my cousin Vinny, the directors of the movie, were adamant that every single lawyer scene accurately depict what could happen or has happened in, in law. In fact, Judge Posner, the infamous judge, famous judge from the Seventh Circuit, said as much that it, it, My Cousin Vinny is a great movie actually to learn the law as far as how do you interview witnesses, you know, be presentable to the jury. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of these movies, they are, they're funny, but they're, they are rooted in, in a little bit of truth. My one funny, I don't know if it's a funny story, but uh, about that clip, as I was doing this thing for, it was either in the Nebraska bar or, or some bar association, and I'm playing that uh, that clip. And before I play that clip, here's what I say. I said, look, I, I just found, I just saw this hilarious clip from uh, this movie and Justice for All. I'm going to play it for you, but don't worry about it. I know it's Al Pacino. I went ahead and bleeped out all of the colorful language because, well, quite frankly, there's a lot in, the, in this next clip. So I went over and over how I would meticulously, meticulously went through and bleeped out all the bad words, right? So I just said that. I hit play. I played the wrong file. And so the very first words out of Al Pacino's mouth is go right to F and you know, jail or whatever. Oh. And they're probably thinking, good job, Joel, on the bleeping. Yes, a really good job. But nonetheless, uh, hopefully uh, they'll invite me back next year. Who knows? All right. Are you ready for the, the, the tiebreaker? I am ready for the tiebreaker. I, I had I have I can choose between one or two. I am I am being a little bit mischievous here. I'm going for the tougher of the two, uh, and so I'm, I might play for the one I'm not going to pick uh, later. But this is going to break the tie right here. All right, here you go. What had you done earlier that day? I got up, got a latte, went to the gym, got a perm, and came home. Were you got in the shower? I believe the witness has made it clear that she was in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Your Honor. Um, Miss Wyndham, had you ever gotten a perm before? Yes. How many would you say? Two a year since I was 12. You do the math. You know, a girl in my sorority, Tracy Marcinko, got a perm once. We all tried to talk her out of it. Curls weren't a good look for her. She didn't have your bone structure. Oh. But thankfully, that same day, she entered the Beta Delta Pi wet t-shirt contest where she was completely hosed down from head to toe. Objection. Why is this relevant? Oh, I have a point, I promise. Then make it. Yes. Um, Chutney, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Because they got wet? Exactly. Because isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thyglocolate? Uh, yes. And wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? And if, in fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? She's my age. There you go. What, what oh, Name the, the actress and the movie. 
on, Joel. <laughs> that is one of my all-time favorite movies. That was like when I was young and like didn't really know what I wanted to do when I saw that movie. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll be really? a lawyer. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Legally Blonde, my girl Reese Witherspoon. You got into Harvard? What? Like, it's hard? <laughs> I, I love that movie. I probably know every line to that movie. You should have gone with the other clip. Uh, well, I'll play the other <laughs> clip for you. But that one, you're not the first person to tell me that they, w- you know, were inspired a lot about about the law from this movie. So it's apparently a really good movie. Legally Blonde there, Reese Witherspoon. How many? I don't know. There are two or three Legally Blonde movies. Um, I, I forget. I remember. The le- ones after don't count. Okay? okay. That is the infamous best movie. Like, I know it's got a lot of stupid humor, but it does sound like a really good message to girls yes. who want to go into law school. Like, I don't know. I'm it a fan. Good? I'm a uh, huge fan. And I'm a huge fan of Reese otherwise. All right. Well, you won three to two, but let me go ahead and play for the clip I did not play, and you'll understand why I did not choose this one. You snotty little bastard. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when you went bad, you cut cases. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had markers inside a phony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn, you coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. Colonel Jessup! Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. There you go. You can't handle the truth, son. I assume you know what movie that's from. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. And you know, one of my all-time favorites also, my boy Tom Cruise, A Few Good Men. Right yes. here in the heart. Yeah, and the I, soul. I, I, watched, I watched that recently and it's a lot better movie than I remember. I mean, it has some good lawyer scenes. Uh, and I, I found a new clip from it where Demi Moore's character was uh, at trial and she objected to uh, the introduction of certain evidence. The court said overruled. So Demi Moore responded by saying, Oh, no, Your Honor. No, no. I strenuously object to this one. This one's really important to me. And the judge said, Still overruled. Uh, so nonetheless, yeah. Adam, I, I found that to be funny. All right, well, there you go. Three to two, you won. I have no idea what the payment is going to be for that. But like you said, hey, it's um, uh, it's all about pride and street cred. And apparently you are uh, up on the street cred in numbers. All right. Well, I'll uh, take as- it, Joel. Are there any I'll good? take the W and walk away. You real. All right. Well, again, that was what I was going to do at the end of the show, but we'll uh, maybe adjust here as we go. We do need to cover a little bit of actual law that happened. Now, we don't have to go into too much in depth, uh, but nonetheless, uh, there was some there were some issues that percolated throughout the world last year, and you and I, that's what we do. We come together every week to debrief the law, and I, one of these I'm going to have to talk to you about that title. I got to come up with a new title, but nonetheless, debrief briefing the law, and uh, and here are the issues last week. Court packing. Uh, It's still an issue. There were several articles I found last week on the issue of court packing, and the Democrats seem to be gaining some uh, momentum here, with at least they're trying to gain momentum. Uh, I don't know, do you, Amy, do you have an opinion here on what's going on with court packing, do you, or, or a prediction on what's going to happen? I... 
predict that the Democrats are going to keep pushing this agenda to, I I would presume, push a justice out to retire or whatever and try to get somebody else in there in this journey or goal to court pack. But I, I honestly, I want to so believe in the integrity and the unbiased opinions of the Supreme Court. I know right. I'm being naive a little bit. Maybe I am, but I want to believe in it. And you know what? I think this is going to be a good segue into what we should talk about next. I think Amy Barrett Cohen is doing a great job. Right. I really do. Good. I think, you know, listen, I think she's doing a great job. I know the goal for Trump, or at least I suspect the goal was to, you know, pack it with conservatives, right. you know, and him to have this, you know, again, another a W coming out right. for, you know, the, the voter fraud. But she's doing an amazing job. She's holding her own and she's not she's not blanking since you brought up the amazing ACB. Uh, yeah. A lot of people uh, use that now as, as a reason why there shouldn't be court packing. And here's what they mean to look Trump put on the court, three of his own justices, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Kavanaugh and, and Gorsuch. And so, uh, clearly those were like bought and paid positions, right? I mean, Trump put them there and they owe Trump. But where were they over when the election lawsuits came up? They weren't on Trump's side. They weren't voting for Trump. And so these justices are appointed, sure, but they still do their job. They still care about acting as an independent judiciary. And that's a, that's probably exhibit A as to why just because a certain party appointed them doesn't mean they are beholden to that side. Now, you alluded to the uh, the, the recusal of ACB. We're going to get to that in a second. I want to just quickly mention some of my history findings. Now, Amy, I don't know if I told you this, but I am a history major. Did, did you know that? I did not know that. Did you know so that you. the most worthless degree a person can get in college <laughs> is is being a history major? Yeah. Is it right in front of a political science major? Because that's where I feel those those things rank. No. I mean, if you're a political science major, at least you can get a job in politics. Where can <sighs> you get a job in history? I mean, they, they don't hire at the history mark down there, you know, the downtown town square. I guess I can appear in Jeopardy. I don't know. But there, there's no <laughs> job with a history major. But nonetheless, uh, I am a history major. And so I kind of like history. And I, I so I dug into the history. And I found... Three, four other instances where court packing was, let's just say, attempted. You had 1801, uh, where Thomas Jefferson had just beat John Adams for the U.S. presidency, and Thomas Jefferson's party's party was the Democratic Republicans, and they won the executive, they won the presidency, they also won Congress, and so Adams was a Federalist, he was on the, on his way out. He wanted to keep the judiciary, so he actually did a kind of reverse court packing. There were six justices at that time, and he passed this law called, uh, it was the Judiciary Act of 1801, where he changed the number of Supreme Court justices from six to five. The thought there is that the next president would be unable to pick the replacement if some justice retired because there there would be uh, at the limit of five. And so it's kind of a court packing in reverse. That was 1801. Then during the Civil War, uh, there was some court packing. I think the justice went up to about the number of 10. Uh, Lincoln was wanting to get some pro- 
uh, northern uh, justices, those that would uphold his uh, position on uh, on ending slavery. And and uh, and so there was some court packing going on there. 1869 was when the number was set at nine, and it has stayed nine ever since then. FDR, of course, tried it in 1937 to pack the court, but then the Supreme Court kind of changed their tune on his new deal and upheld it. So there you go, Amy. You got your history lesson, and you didn't even ask for it. So do you, uh, should I awake you now? I actually thoroughly enjoyed that, Joel. So I think uh, your history came in came in good use today. You don't need to watch Hamilton now. You can come to me to get your history. It just won't be in rap. Uh, I, I can't do that. But all right, well, that that was our segue to the next issue, Amy Coney Barrett. There is a case coming up at the U.S. Supreme Court over the issue of Donor uh, concealing donors. So there was this group here as a foundation that was associated with Americans for Prosperity. And what happens is uh, certain groups wanted the donor list to this organization to be released and made public. Well, this organization said, no, we think our donor list should be kept confidential. The reason behind wanting to keep these confidential would be. There is a, yeah, this is cancel culture. And if, if people knew this, uh, that certain organizations were donating to this cause, they would then target that group for boycotting, for, for canceling, things like that. And so I, I can see it going both ways. I can see a need to reveal who is donating the money. And I also can see why people might be afraid then to donate if you were going to then target them for cancel, for the cancel culture uh, type of attacks. So nonetheless, that was the issue in the case. Well, uh, this group donated about $1 million. It spent $1 million trying to get Amy Coney Barrett confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. And so the thought is, should she recuse herself? Uh, do you have any thoughts on this, Amy? I know you do. I I do, and I have strong thoughts on it. I Good. don't think she should recuse herself. Really? I think, it's an, I think it's inappropriate if she does. And here's why. As a society, we created this beast, okay? We created this beast of unlimited donating and spending for certain campaigns. And okay. how did we create this beast? Because the average American, and I hope I don't offend any of our <laughs> listeners, the average American's reading level comprehension was about fifth grade. Okay, okay. not not our listeners, but I get that the average. Not our listeners, okay? But the uh, most people, right? Most people get their news from like Facebook. Right, or right. just they're not reading, they're not paying attention. So we created this animal when people had to spend unlimited amounts of money on funding for campaign just to get like a little bit of notoriety or attention. I think somebody would probably get more notoriety spending money on making like TikToks. Okay. Right. 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 right? As a society, that's what we're paying <laughs> attention to. Hey, I know so, what TikTok is. See, I am that with it. I don't know if that's a word. Hip. Yeah. Hip. I just I heard like today that lit is no longer a phrase. That is so last year. And so I, I didn't even know lit was even that's a, a the phrase. That's time last you're you're telling me that. I mean, I'm, that's the first time I'm hearing that. So I will. I mean, I never used lit, but okay. if I was going to use it, I would refrain now. Now we know I not to use it. If I ever uncool. say in this podcast, oh, that's lit, just cancel the podcast right there, right? I'm uh, going to assume you're on fire. <laughs> that's what I'll assume. Um, right. But my point is, is that, you know, just because somebody needed, you know, that amount of money for funding. Does she have blood ties to them? No, she no. owes. She is a Supreme Court justice. She doesn't owe anybody anything. Okay. And she owes justice. She owes right. lady justice. That's the only person she has 
any ties to. So should she have to recuse herself because somebody gave her money? And I'm sorry, a million dollars in the scheme of things? Right. It's like nothing. And this is nothing. not like a normal politician. A normal politician is going to run again. And so the thought there is that, oh, you're in office. I gave you a million dollars and you're going to want me to give you another million dollars. Uh, you know, when you run in four years or in six years or whatever the cycle is. And so that, that's the thought process. I am giving you money and you are going to then uh, do what I want because you're going to want that money again. But there's life tenure for these Supreme Court justices. There's not the same thought that they are going to – there's never going to be another situation where they can get money from them again. She's already been appointed, and so yeah, I, I don't see the, the risk there. Also, Amy, there is – it's different. And I've even heard um, uh, R, um, RBG say this. As a Supreme Court justice, you don't recuse yourself like you would below because there's no other layer to appeal. And, and you need nine justices to decide these issues. And if one justice steps down for one reason, then maybe that issue doesn't get decided. And so it's not like at the lower levels where there, you will see recusals a lot more often. Our RBG said not so at the Supreme Court. You just can't remove yourself from every case. Where you might, if you are a judge below, because there's there's a lot of other judges, right? You, you can re, you can replace that judge. If Amy Coney Barrett steps down, there's no replacing that vote. It's just gone. It's lost. And so it, it's different at the U.S. Supreme Court. All right. Well, again, you are on record now that you don't think Amy Coney Barrett should recuse Absolutely herself. Not. My I prediction hope she holds is fast. Yeah, my, my prediction is that she won't recuse herself. because You don't see Supreme Court justices recusing themselves that often. And if they do, they already kind of got wind of their vote's not needed. Uh, and so, uh, but nonetheless, I, it's just a dangerous precedent to set as a Supreme Court justice to recuse yourself. These guys are not on the take, right? It's not like they're getting paid money uh, and nothing on the side there. So I don't think that's going to happen. All right, Deshaun Watson also was in the news. His lawyer, as you know, Deshaun Watson, football player for the Houston Texans, one of my favorite football players out there, great quarterback. I still remember when David Slade Goliath, he was a quarterback for Clemson, and he beat mighty Alabama in the championship game. I just love that. Well, nonetheless, he uh, he's a quarterback for the Houston Texans, and 22 lawsuits have been filed against him, accusing inappropriate conduct while receiving massages. And, and so at first, these 22 lawsuits were all done anonymously. Now, I got to tell you, uh, Amy, I was, I, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to anonymous lawsuits. I get why you do that. But then I thought, well, how do you respond? I, I, I would not even know how Deshaun could respond to 22 lawsuits when he did not know the name of the people behind the lawsuit. Well, nonetheless, uh, uh, they then identified themselves, and now Deshaun's lawyer legal team has responded. And uh, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on, on what happened this past week with Deshaun Watson? So I want to choose my words carefully here because I still stick with my original theory that Deshaun Watson and his people are actually behind these lawsuits okay. to try to squeak his way out of Houston because he hates it there and he's like, I'm done. Um, but my, I'll just be like really blunt here. Stupid answer. Okay. Dumb, dumb theory because to turn around and be like, well, some of the girls were bragging after they were like pumped right. up about it. What? How would you know? Right. Like, how would you know that? Like, were you there? Like, right, did you, right, right. and if even if you talk to somebody and even if that was the case, right, like 
maybe some of the girls were like, oh my God, Deshaun Watson, like maybe it wasn't so much a brag, like, hey, I'm really proud this happened, but oh my God, this famous person just asked me for something really inappropriate. Right. Like, it, what do I do? Or I couldn't say no, or I felt like I couldn't say no. In either case, I still believe that this was put up by Deshaun Watson and, and his team. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm holding on to that theory. You're, you're, hey, you know what? If it comes out, that that's what was going on, I am taking this podcast and we are running it off the chain. <laughs> All kinds of major media say, we were the first one. You wouldn't listen to us, but that's what Amy said way back when no one else had that theory. Everyone else was going the opposite direction, but we were the first. No listen to us. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't even know where, where, where to go with this story. Uh, it, sometimes I think both sides can be 90 Five percent right. I mean, there, there might be a little bit of fudging here and there. I don't know, but is it possible in this particular situation both sides can be can be right in, in what they are pursuing? Here's what is bothering me about about Deshaun Watson's case. Why did he have forty different masseuses? Because what what I don't know if you remember Deshaun Watson's lawyer legal team responded a couple of weeks ago by saying, "Oh, look, here is an affidavit from another twenty massage therapists who say that no, he behaved himself appropriately." So if you add those eighteen to twenty to these twenty-two, we're already up to forty that we know of. He's in a little town of Houston, Texas. I say little one town of Houston, Texas. Why does he need 40 different massage therapists? I just don't understand that. That doesn't look good. Right. It doesn't look good, right? Like, you know, I mean, not to compare. I don't I don't even know if we want to go there. You might I don't even, even know where to begin with that. But I'm like going to be like, all right, also Jeffrey Epstein also like had a lot of different massage therapists. We all know how that turned right. out. Um, it just but, seems like if his purpose was strictly to, I, I just want someone to give me a therapeutic massage because I played a football game and I'm beaten up, you wouldn't get 40 different massage therapists. So I, I don't know where the truth is, but I am bothered most by that fact. I don't know what to do with it. It don't look good. Right. I mean, I'm still sticking to the theory that like maybe some things happened, but I think Deshaun Watson's people put it out there. So maybe this was like, Maybe this was like an an oopsie, like, yeah, I did right. these things, but like my people pushed it out there. Or maybe this is also on the other side of like, Deshaun Watson, this is our plan to get you out of Houston. Like, go see as many women as you can. Right. Act inappropriately with half of them. <laughs> And the other half you won't. I don't know. All I'm saying, Amy, is if if you're right on this, I am recording. I mean, obviously, we're recording this, but I am going to promote this uh, way everywhere I can. So we were the first people to run with this storyline. And yes, that is how good we are. All right. Nonetheless, what I did last week is um, I got an opportunity to do a my comedy bit for the University of Maine. At least I think that's the name of it. I know it was the University in Maine. I'm going to go with the University of Maine. Is is, is that? name and uh it was a lot of fun uh, i just did 15 minutes and i want to run some of these jokes by you i'm not going to do the stand-up bit with you because it's just kind of hard to do in this kind of context it is kind of hard when you, when you tell someone that you know you, you do comedy they, they always say this oh good tell me a joke it's like that's not how it works i, I need setup I, I need to control the whole thing i just can't drop a joke on the spot but nonetheless I want to run this setup by you to see what you think about these jokes. Uh, are you ready to go? I'm ready. 
And I'm oh. hoping I'm invited back next week based on how this goes. <laughs> All right. The first one, we're just going to do easy. I'm just, I'm curious about this. This is the joke I always use whenever I speak anywhere. It just, it always works. 10 times out of 10, it's never failed. I do wonder if it failed this last time because I did it to a younger audience. But nonetheless, um, and by the way, I, I did the stand-up bit via Zoom. That is very intimidating. To do a stand-up bit when it's just you and the camera, that's it. There's no one laughing. I mean, that's normally when I'm at a comedy club, no one's laughing. But that, that aside, I don't know if they're laughing or not. And so I, it, it is somewhat, I'm laughing at my own jokes. But hey, I, I entertain myself. That being said, here's my, my, my start-off joke. I always tell people... Hey, look, I am sorry. I need to start with an apology. Uh, it happens every time I speak. Some of you were misled. You, you saw the promotional material, and you thought that there was a typo. I'm sorry. There was no typo. My name is not Joel Osteen. I am Joel Oster. For some reason, that always works wherever I go. Because people see my name, and they assume it's Joel Osteen, or at least they say, I've... I, I recognize your name. I've seen it somewhere before. Maybe they can't quite put their finger on it. Then when I say Joel Osteen, then they go, oh, yes, that's where I've seen your name before. So, Amy, uh, do you know who Joel Osteen is? I'm very familiar with You know, he's catching a lot of heat right now, like, yes. for what's going on in his church. I don't know. I, I mean, every once in a while on a Sunday, I'll pop him on just what he, to see what he's putting down. Right, right. Catch, again, catching a lot of heat. No, I'm interested to see what happens there. <laughs> it, 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 I was a little worried this time. I almost didn't do it because this was a college. Uh, these were these were law students and younger, and, and, you know, at the university there. And so I thought, well, would they even know who Joel Osteen is? But nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, my my tagline on that is Joel Osteen wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. I said, come on, I'm a lawyer. I have no idea about you living your best life now, but. <laughs> I, too, can write my best-selling book. It'll be called uh, Who to Sue If You've Been Screwed Out of Your Best Life Now. It's a little bit of a difference <laughs> from Joel Oster and Joel Osteen. All right. I like that. All right. So I should keep that as my, my, my lead-off joke. I do. I like that. Who to Sue If You've Been Screwed Out of Your – that's very clever. Maybe I'll come up with a Jersey version. Right. Uh, I I will think on it. I mean, <laughs> it's going to have a lot of cursing. I can't say – I don't want you to have to bleep me out. Like, right, right, right. I'm not going to use the word screw. That's for sure. That's exactly. Because yeah, you're from New Jersey and when in Rome. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so here's my next joke line that I, I'm working on. And that is what I'm going to call the plea joke. I, I set this up by saying, look, um, you know, we are, uh, I believe the criminal justice system starts with what people in the real world would consider a lie. The plea. I, I, my, my, my premise is the plea is a lie nine times out of ten. So I'm going to just kind of run this through you to see if you agree with me, Amy. In court, do they not have the defendant nine times out of ten plead not guilty? Is not what it's kind of t normal, uh, typical fashion. It's what you do. You you plead not guilty. Yes, that is always like, but like in theory, like who's going to get there and be like, absolutely, I did, I did this. You know, like please take me to jail now. But shouldn't they? I mean, I if they did it, if they are as guilty as a sin, and, and I, I said, so I, I set up that joke by saying, look, uh, I said, come on, this is ridiculous. You updated your your Facebook status page to say, check out this this car chase. It's me. Uh, and I said, you can't get a, <laughs> you can't get a thousand likes for your new orange and black motorcycle. 
when it's an orange and black motorcycle that you are accused of stealing, that's not how this works. Uh, hey, you're even wearing the victim's Rolex watch in court. You didn't even take it off. But yeah, you think you can plead not guilty. And so that that's kind of my, my setup for that. It, it uh, is a stupid formality. You're right. We should get rid of it as a society. It's a dumb formality. I'm sorry, sir. What uh, You're here because you were um, you being alleged of punching your wife in the face, stealing your neighbor's car, and uh, robbing a bank. What, what say thee? Exactly. Um, oh yeah, that that shit wasn't me. You're gonna have to bleep me out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why don't we just have a starter's pistol and say, you know what? Let the games begin. Well, that would be more honest than not guilty when the guy is as guilty as sin. At least that's that's my now. Lawyers tell me this, and I'm sure you're thinking it's the same thing. That no, Joel, the not guilty is not a lie because it doesn't actually mean not guilty. You know what? Only lawyers can have that conversation I with know, a straight right? face. Only lawyers can be like, well, technically, but no, we should just, you know, have it kind of go like, sir, do you want a chance to tell us about like, like what really happened? Like maybe right. it should start with like, what really happened was, you know, my wife deserved it. Uh, my neighbor is horrible and um, I needed, you know, money to put my grandma in like a hospital. There you go. Right. What, what really happened was, yeah. I don't know, Joel, it's a tough one. I know. So I think, because obviously we're lawyers. So what really is going on here is when we say not guilty, what we mean is, oh, they haven't been proven not guilty. And we want the prosecution to have to meet its burden to prove the case. So if that's really what we mean, then why not just use a starter's pistol? Say, hey, let the games begin or or says who? Something like that other than not guilty. Because here's my take, Amy, and then we will be done. We'll wrap this up here. But I'm, I'm thinking... That uh, uh, you, you have a child, right? And, and you uh, a wonderful child, and uh, and, and so some it, days, yes, yes, exactly. And uh, <laughs> if you asked her, let, let's say she did something, I don't know, make it up. Uh, let's say the the toy bucket was overturned after you just put away all the toys. I'm not saying your daughter would ever do that, but just hypothetically, let's say that happens, okay? Uh, and, and you say, hey, did you do this? If she were to look you in the eyes and say. No, not guilty. You need to prove it, Mom. What would your response be? Um, I can't say that on this show because I don't want child services called on me. But listen, I will say about this, you know the difference in all of this? My child is two and a half, and my child is is actually going to tell the truth. You know? She's right. going to turn to be like, yeah, yeah, Mommy, that was me. And then my child, okay, in her infinite wisdom being two, and she is fantastic, I'll go, okay, um, please go clean that up. And my child is very polite. She'll go, Sweet. no, thank you. No, <laughs> no thank, thank you. you. <laughs> no, thank you. She'll, she will say no to you, but she will put a thank you behind it because she, I think maybe she, she was raised well. Yeah. She was oh, raised no. well. She's been raised like a heathen. <laughs> let's be real. This is New Jersey. But I think she sees me do that. Like when I don't want to do something. So I'll preface it with a no, thank you. Or let's try again at another time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got I'm waiting for my child to turn around and say, you know what, mommy, let's try again at it another time. I, I can't wait to hear more stories. Uh, that is one funny child. No, thank you. I did do no, it. And no, thank you. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So that is my takeaway. Mothers would not accept that response. That is that would, if their child tried to pull that of no mom, um, 
first of all, what evidence do you have, Mom, that I did it? I want a discovery phase, maybe a transfer of venue to Grandma. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. But, uh, yeah, that is not going to fly at home. Moms Ooh. don't care about your due process rights, and uh, but apparently that does work in court. All right. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us. Uh, uh, Kind of a slow week there in in law, but hey, let's uh, let's come back next week and we'll have more observations, more games to play. And uh, have a great week, Amy. We'll see you next week. You too, Joel. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. 